Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. I'm Michael Jacobson. I'm a serial entrepreneur and high-performance business coach. Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Series and our host, Jonathan Bowman-Perks. Thank you very much indeed, Michael. And what a life and what a career you've had thus far with so much more to do. And I just love the fact that a whole variety of countries, companies, uh, you've been an entrepreneur, you've been there, you've done it yourself with different businesses, particularly uh, arenas, convention centers, theaters, um, live entertainment. You put dirty dancing on a, a, a theater stage show. You've done a hell of a lot. And luckily you're out of that at the moment in the middle of a pandemic. So good choice by you. But Michael, tell us a bit about what you're doing right now and also your journey and your life story, really, in a bit of a nutshell of, of the learnings that we can take from it. Thank you. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Jonathan. It's, uh, it's really a interesting um, it's an interesting uh, time in the world. And yes, I am very grateful that I'm not in live entertainment. And, you know, my heart absolutely goes out to everybody that's in that because it's such a difficult time right now for this perhaps one of the worst hit sectors. But, uh, but personally, yes, I'm grateful, but I had a great period of time building up businesses in, in live entertainment and in, in property uh, entertainment, which is a specialist property business where we owned theatres and I was, uh, entertainment arenas, convention centres, exhibition centres. This was mainly a business in Australia and in the Asia Pacific region, although we did have some in the, U, uh, in the US as well. But uh, along the way, uh, we through connections and as as life and as business happens, we were invited to uh, to bid for the rights for Dirty Dancing and one way or another, maybe it was uh, Australian charm or craziness, I'm not sure, and hopefully a little bit of skill. Uh, we were awarded the rights from Lionsgate Films, which is the film company that, that owned the, the brand. And, uh, and uh, we, we then were the proud owner of you know, a piece of paper, which uh, was uh, the IP to the script or the script itself and the IP to the name. So that, that then also commenced a major journey from around 2003 onwards right into the 2010s when I eventually exited that business. So yes, live entertainment and, and entertainment and leisure with a little bit of mix of property was really where I built up my entrepreneurial life. And along the way, I really, I mean, and continuing exponentially more and more so, I've, I've always had a passion for working with other people be they entrepreneurs, business owners, whoever they might be. In fact, um, uh, you know, probably from, I think from the time I was a child, I was, you know, giving people advice. I was clearly unqualified at that point to give advice to anybody, hopefully now a little bit more qualified. But I always um, just wanted to, I suppose, at the risk of sounding cliche, I've always wanted to try and bring out the best in people. And I find that now, you know, I have particular skill sets and particular track records in in certain areas, but business and leadership being those areas, I can really apply that to 
to people. So I, I've written a couple of books and hosted a TV show in Australia. And uh, and now... Well, just tell us what your books are called for, for people oh, who are listening. Business of Creativity, which was a business book published in the UK, where I live now for creatives. And then my other book, which has a very long title, uh, chosen by the publisher. I still love them, but it was called Entrepreneurs, Mavericks and Empire Builders. Oh, that's very good. Title by my Australian, uh, published in Australia. And that was um, really where I went around and interviewed uh, around 20, 25 very high achievers in entrepreneurialism, in venture capital, in, in creativity, mainly in the UK and also in Australia. Um, but it was an Australian kind of focus book. They were more, more well-known there. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was published in 2019. And, and then I uh, hosted a show on Sky News in Australia uh, as well, which was called Nothing Ventured, which was similar, interviewing entrepreneurs and business people. And uh, now, as I have, you know, really on or off, but now I'm completely focused on it. I work as a, as a business coach with uh, a bunch of ambitious entrepreneurs right, right across the world. And I've got a couple of programs in development, but i got to say, I actually have a passion for working one-on-one with people. And, you know, I work with people in Australia, the USA, South Africa, UK, Europe, and uh, I really uh, find this is a fantastic, uh, it's fantastic. I, I actually feel privileged to actually get paid to do it because I eventually get so inspired working with these people as well. But uh, that's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm now focused on. Good. And, and take us right back to childhood. You know, how did this entrepreneur, coach, business speaker, how did you begin out? And who was your, I mean, you were giving advice when you were younger. But, but who in your relations or your teachers were, were quite role modeling or were quite defining moments in your upbringing? Yes, well, um, my dad was, he's still alive, but he uh, is no longer working actively, but he was a concert promoter. And concert promoters, you know, aka gamblers, <laughs> are perhaps the, the textbook um, entrepreneur. In fact, they're, they're, they're right on the very end of the spectrum between entrepreneur and gambler, I would say. But uh, nevertheless, uh, he, he's a, he was a concert promoter and he was, he was Australia's leading concert promoter right at the time I was, I was growing up. And um, it always helped for my popularity in school because I was always able to give out free tickets to people. Although funnily enough, the people I gave free tickets to never call me anymore, but that's another matter. Um, the, uh, he was a textbook entrepreneur. So I was able really by osmosis to model entrepreneurialism, I guess, just, you know, as they say, around the dinner table, that was, that was all I knew. Uh, all I knew was, you know, somebody doing deals, flying all around the world, getting calls at all hours of the night, putting things together. Um, and and that, that was what I modeled, uh, what, I, what, I, what I observed. Um, you know, and I, I had this, as we all did with our own parents and our kids do with us, you have the ability to see what's working and what doesn't work and, uh, you know, what... Uh, what's stressful and what's not stressful. And uh, you know, concert promoting to me is extremely stressful. So I sort of thought, how can I apply uh, entrepreneurialism and, and uh, what I perceived as the enjoyment of entertainment business, but in a safer way. So that's what I aspired to do. Uh, but then on the other, uh, the other uh, person, uh, when I was in year 11 at school in Australia, which is around, um, I guess, uh, 17, I think, or, yeah, 16, 17, uh, I had a school teacher who was, he was actually a multimillionaire and he taught, he actually, he enjoyed, he was very wealthy and he enjoyed teaching. 
uh, I believe he'd inherited some money or, or some such thing, but then he'd spent the majority of his life, I guess he was in his 50s, and investing in the stock market and trading on the stock market and doing doing these kind of things. <clears throat> so, um, and, and he enjoyed working as a teacher, but uh, he taught business studies and, you know, it was really a, a paid hobby. Um, and so he taught me, he, we got talking, obviously, in the course of class and uh, at that stage, you're kind of old enough to communicate properly with your with your teachers as, as adults. And, you know, he started to teach me about the stock market. And in those days, it wasn't that long ago, I think it was around 1994 or five maybe. Um, but of course it was still a little bit before Google. Uh, he recommended me some books uh, on the stock market, which I went away and read. And, you know, then I started to trade the stock market or invest in the stock market. Um, which then I used to pay myself through university. Uh, but nevertheless, he was a, uh, you know, and, and, and continues to be, but he was an inspiration for me and clearly one of those key figures that you meet across the path of your life, which then propelled me uh, forward and propelled my passion for business. Fantastic. And so from that upbringing and, and entrepreneurship was in the blood, not only dad, but the, the, the millionaire, <laughs> business studies teacher that's the best ever i love that one my my daughter's been a, a teacher teaching english and she's now going into digital technology into right. digital consultancy doing learning and development and they're they're onboarding because that excites her yes. um but but take you back to when you were say 18 um what bit of advice would you give yourself knowing all that you know now to the 18 year old michael the, the advice that I would give is that you, you really need to focus on your purpose in life. Now, everybody talks about this. I know you can see anybody from Oprah Winfrey down talking about purpose, but it is critical. And it's something that I think is really missed at school. Missed, it's missed, not deliberately or not, because we've got to all pay mortgages and buy cars and live and do things. And, and you know, what your real purpose is almost seems like it's a luxury if you can work that out. And, you know, getting paid to do what your purpose is, is, you know, something that only Hollywood actors can do and, and not for the rest of us. But nevertheless, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily have the contextual information. And I didn't either, I don't think, you know, but nobody does. I know the question was about me, but the, the, to, to understand what's your purpose. And so, you know, I commenced a, um, I commenced working in the bank in the stock market, which I actually loved because I, I loved the, I suppose I loved the, the cut and thrust, the entrepreneurialness of that. Um, that wasn't my purpose, but you know, and of course you don't always necessarily expect yourself to do what you what you want to do immediately, although some people seem to find that that route. But I think the advice is that you know you do have to find your purpose as soon as possible. And your purpose really <clears throat> is what brings you joy. Now then the next question is can you make a living out of that or not? Now, I'm, I'm realistic to say that clearly a lot of people's purposes, you know, you possibly can't, and that's okay. At least work at, work out what it is. And it's something that brings you joy and fulfillment. And this is something that, which by the time you get older, you're going to wish that you started a whole lot earlier. So to me, that's the most important uh, advice at that age of 18. Yeah, and that's great. And then, and then also think about the whole of your life. We, we there's a lovely book called life is in the transitions we have highs we have lows yes what would be a moment of pure joy uh real pride and joy and what would be uh, both a business and a personal dark moment but i'm sure all three 
have given you lessons that you've taken with you in your advice as a coach? So far as, you know, I, I got to say that when we, when we, in terms of a business high, uh, I, I recall every single opening night of, of Dirty Dancing as if it was yesterday. And particularly when we bought Dirty Dancing as a, as a little old Australian company, I'll never forget the opening night back in, I think it was 2005, maybe 2006, I believe, on the West End, <clears throat> excuse me, in London, of course. And to sit there, you know, in the audience of, of your own show, which was a hit show and sold out and, you know, had a lot of, a lot of Brock's office record, which had broken by the time it opened. And to sit there in London, um, you know, at the West End, the home of the theatre business uh, and a place which is basically impossible for foreign producers to break into or to even get a theatre to put your show in. To sit there the opening night was very, not just for business, more for personal reasons, but it was mm. a big paradigm, it was extremely emotional. And, uh, you know, it's one of those times where you can replay it in your mind uh, as if it was, you know, as if your mind recorded every aspect of that night. So that's something that which I'm very, very uh, proud about. <clears throat> in terms of uh, negative or, or, or darker situations, um, you know, I've, I've obviously uh, done many transactions like most entrepreneurial people and, you know, that they, they don't always work out. But, um, you know, I've had a, a very negative one, which I believed erroneously therein lies a message would be a very simplistic one. And I got a very, I got a friend, I had a friend who was the lawyer, he was like a general, he's like a GP general lawyer who you know, did, did bits and pieces. He was close to retirement. <clears throat> I thought, you know what, I don't, need, I don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this transaction. It's it's done. It's it's easy. It's it's fine. So I got this guy he charged twenty thousand dollars or something, which was you know very very tiny in the context of the deal. And I think you just you just need to look over it. Everything's fine. Um, it turned out it wasn't fine, and the well, yeah, I, I did get cheated by my part by the people on the other side. But the lawyer should have picked that up. But I should have hired a better lawyer. I should have actually hired. I should have focused on it and treated it as as more important and been more not suspicious by any means, but just been more careful with it. And it, you know, it it lost uh, probably over between fifty lost me over the years between fifty to probably seventy five, hundred million. Aussie dollars. So it was a very painful lesson. Uh, but, um, you know, I came to peace with it. And I mean that sincerely, because you do have to, we well, don't have to, because many people don't, but but I I did look back and try and learn my lesson. And I realized there's just no point blaming everybody else, because <clears throat> ultimately, there, I have to take responsibility. Nor do I blame myself, but I took responsibility. And then I just moved on. Yeah. And, uh, and that was it. But yeah, it was a very dark moment personally and professionally at that time. And uh, yeah. so it wasn't, it wasn't a happy period. Yeah. And, and what about personal life? Any uh, highs and lows of family and friends and things that would hit you hard? Well, look, I think in, in, in person, in, in, when you're in, in entrepreneurialism, uh, you know, you do, you do have difficult times. There's no doubt about it. And I find the way I'll answer that question is this, when you have, you know, when you have um, a family life or a personal life or, or, or a partner or even friends, it's really, it's when you're in the, in the day-to-day of entrepreneurialism, you know, you go home to dinner at the table or you'll be with kids or you'll be with friends or you'll be in a picnic on the weekend or whatever it might be. And 
you can't switch your mind off. I don't mean that with any disrespect to anyone that works for other companies, because I know that people, the employees and team members work hard as well. But what? But you literally can't give us, it's very hard to give yourself permission to shut off. And also, you may literally not be able to shut off, you know, if you're in the middle of doing a deal or something at that time. Or if you're stressed about something, it's pretty hard to just, you know, overcome it. So it does affect uh, your relations with people and people can see it you think you're hiding it and you think you're all jolly and people can see it on your face and you know, i remember a friend of ours uh, a friend of mine who was a doctor at um uh well he, he's a friend of my kids uh, kids uh, friends actually that's why i say ours but he was a doctor uh, in the uk <clears throat> and at one occasion the barbecue he called me over he said he looks everything okay and i thought everything's fine i'm happy i'm laughing this was a number of years ago he said oh you don't, it looks like something's not quite right or you're not quite present in the moment and I had just brushed it off and said everything's fine and a typical man uh, everything's straight and I went home and thought about it and he was right of course because I did have something on my mind and it was interesting because clearly doctors are trained to look at you and look through you and to to look at what you're not looking for Mm -hmm. and uh, I realized I mean I don't really want to be carrying that energy around at all times and that was actually the important moment I realized that I want to start to 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 move into other areas not just this continual buying and selling which you know uh, I, I then want to also use my positive experiences and, and negative experiences to help other people uh, in entrepreneurialism because having been there myself having been distracted at the dinner parties and the barbecues and everything else as I just explained I, I want to do what I can do to prevent other people from having to do that. Not, not as some kind of hero, but because if they're not like that, they'll be able to fulfill their purpose a whole lot better, yeah. contribute to society a whole lot better. Uh, brilliant. And, and um, sorry that you had to go through that, but I, I think you then makes you more human and more humility uh, for, for yourself, like the doctor. I imagine your skill, Michael, I've sensed it in our conversation at the very beginning. You're very intuitive and you sort of pick things up. And, you know, and we have to learn the skills now of doing this over a, a medium where we're watching just this. Yep. And right. someone might say to you and I go, Michael, how are you? And you go, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I go, um, I'm not getting that. It, it's not landing with me. Uh, right. what, what's really going on? What's really, really going on? Well, funny you mention it. Oof, and out it comes. Um, OK, let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass. Just a sort of quick fire your kind of views and perhaps some tips. Starting with MQ, the, the true north, uh, the, the values, fundamental values that you grew up with and believed in uh, and how uh, you perhaps brought those into your businesses uh, or maybe been in a business which didn't have your values and where it was a clash. And what do you do when your values and you drift apart like magnetic north does move? Uh, true north is always true north. What, what have you done? And, what tip would you give people who are listening? Absolutely. Well, look, I, I think that <clears throat> your values are really, uh, of course, ideally, they're going to be instilled in you in childhood um, and not through negative experiences. But, you know, that, that, is, that is your compass. And that should be your compass, of course, in relationships and in, in, in business as well, which, are, which is also relationships. And the fact is that 
you know, people don't set about, I don't believe people set about to dislike you. People don't set about to to break up or get divorced or dislike each other or, or have litigation with their business partners either. <clears throat> that happens when, clearly when there's misunderstandings and when there's breakdowns in communications or when there's issues around people's value systems. And so I, I believe that when somebody, when, you, when you're in business with somebody, be they an investor, a partner, whoever they are, it, it just yes of course you gotta have integrity but to me i i behave to what i i aspire to to behave towards them with the with the respect that honors their faith in me or their investment in me and their investment in me maybe may financial maybe time and maybe a life partner giving you their life whatever it is somebody's invested something in you and that that that, that is i believe that bond must be honored and of course there's ups and downs and not everything works out in in, in business perfectly and you know there, there may be things that upset people from time to time but but if you try and honor that at all times i think you know you're on the right track and and that's what i believe that i do and i try to do and and, and if something doesn't work out this year well <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you know it was not going to work out next year or it doesn't mean that you know i've forgotten about you or that you know so i always try and 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 if things work out immediately things work out later it doesn't really matter to me once somebody's once they're engaged with me in one way or another uh you know i try I, i've got a very strong sense of of loyalty and you know i'll do every single thing i can to honor uh, that relationship you know as, as long as i've got breath to do so uh and that's how i try and that's how i try and operate in business i believe yeah, that I operate no, that way. really good and, and you've made me think that uh often people don't get to know the people they work with uh, and one of the things that i learned recently I've, i knew it from before but i'm finding it's making such a difference is i ask people for their life story yes. and maybe give them an hour to tell me the whole life story and the kind of person they are today and the values they were brought up on. And when you understand the journey someone's on and what they talk about and what they highlight, I found that's really helpful to understand their intent because we judge them by their actions and never their intentions. We judge ourselves yes. being hypocrites that we are by our intentions and never our actions. Yes, yes. So I, I'm sure you do that, but I, I do find hearing people's life stories incredibly useful. Taking on to a point you were making earlier about focusing on your purpose, PQ is the next thing, and, and Lee and I would agree with you that what gives your life meaning and purpose or dharma or I, I have a calling, which is doing this, and uh, a vocation. So yes. it's, it's, I, I, I don't get paid for this. I just yes. really believe in it, paying it forward, and you'll recommend a CEO to me, and he'll come on, and then he'll recommend someone else. Yes. Um, what gives your life meaning and purpose? Why do you do what you do now? I, look, I think it's a, a great point, and I, I believe that also if you, not that you should, but if you would, or not that you should always, but if you would do what you do for nothing, then you, that's how you really know that, that you love what you do. <coughs> Excuse me. If somebody pays you to do it, that's that's all the better. Um, but but your purpose can show up across the spectrum, and and sometimes it could be doing something nothing sometimes it could be getting paid sometimes it could be whatever doing it for a friend or a family member but but whatever your your core gift or your core skill set is or your your your, your purpose 
<clears throat> that can show up across in different areas of of your life and and that that that's okay in fact that's how it should be because you're supposed to, i believe you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing across the board not just when you you know close the office door or, or whatever so uh so to me working you know educating people inspiring people motivating people getting people to see things from from a different a completely different angle and then activating something within them both using hard skills and soft skills so you know experience things that you can see and you know i can i can show you and you know kind of i suppose god given or or, or natural um natural things which i've been given which every single person on the planet's been given all different using those things then to 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 help people to do what they do better that's yeah. that's what I, that's what i do and that's whether it's it doesn't matter to me whether that's through a book through a television show through talking to somebody at you know a friend over a coffee or or uh, whether I'm coaching, it's it's essentially the same activity. Yeah, beautifully put, beautifully put. And then taking us on to another aspect we talked about before, the importance, particularly it's been highlighted in the pandemic, mental health, physical yeah. health, well-being. And, and many leadership models don't talk about this enough. They think, oh, oh, we've forgotten something. Oh, yeah, people's health. You know, yeah. we've run them into the ground and they're all getting ill and they're going off sick. Why is that? You know, so so what's your approach to your mental and physical health and well-being there was the doctor spotting that something wasn't right in you but you look in good health at the moment tell us you know what you do to keep in good health mentally and physically and when you've fallen off the wagon whether it's alcoholic or anything <laughs> what do you do to get back on again i th i i uh, absolutely look i think that really if 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 you are not if you're not feeling good on any given day you're certainly not going to be giving your best to to your work to your life to your loved ones or to yourself that's that's a fact and i think you know a lot of the time where i go through the day and you know your, your state starts to drop or you you, you just realize oh, you've gone from 10 to you know whatever six oftentimes it's when you're not feeling great it could be you didn't sleep that well the night before it could be you know your shoulders are a bit stiff or something it could, you know anything like, and sometimes you don't even know consciously what it is you just you drop below um, where you where you want it to be or where you're used to being, and then it shows up in your demeanor immediately. I find that it does, and and then but it's really easy to stay there as well. Um, you know the key is to is to mentally pull yourself back up, but it's hard if you don't feel that great. So I I personally in in a very detailed uh, answer to that question, you know I go to uh, all sorts of uh, you know complementary healthcare people and take supplements and you know meditate and also really try and focus on what my state is at any given time as well and mm -hmm. and how that works in, in 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 circumstances that you're in so i really believe that your your emotional health your physical health your spiritual health and and just your day-to-day -day operating behavior they're all connected and in, in, in interlinked so to me it's, it's an ongoing uh, journey, an ongoing activity to try and be at the peak as best as, as possible at, at all times. And, uh, and I think if you try, then if you set your subconscious mind to tell you if, if you drop, or if you, at least if your state drops, and then you can work out why, 
then 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 that's the key to, to know and then you can check in what is it am i hungry am i tired am i stiff shoulder or whatever it is or just not enjoying this conversation or whatever it is then you can adjust that so you really yeah. i find it's very important to have all those areas i couldn't agree more and um as i've had to handle some difficult moments in my business life and my personal life i found that whether it be getting therapy at the time or whether it be eating well, sleeping, midday, power naps, yeah. supplements, as you say, I do a lot of mindfulness, um, journaling, uh, five minute journal.com, I find very good. They really do help uh, for us as what I would describe as we're business athletes. Yes. Uh, and we've got to look upon it as that. And too many times I come across CEOs or managing directors, partners in professional services firms working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, and they can't understand why suddenly no. down, they, down they go. And, and I go, you've been setting yourself up for failure for months, if not years. And you've got this huge paunch of food and beer and stress that you're carrying around. You've got to do something. And I've seen some major changes in people. Yeah. One in particular, I met on a train five years ago and we've just finished working together. Wow. And, and he said, complete transform because he's got a personal trainer, yep. his mindfulness, he's, he's uh, really eating healthily. He's cut out the booze. And of course he said, what's helped in the pandemic he hasn't been doing crazy traveling where he's been getting home at four in the morning and then yep. leaving at three in the morning. Eating so, garbage foods in hotels and so on. Yes, correct, correct. No, so, so I, there is. With you. It's so uh, it is, it's so important. And and as as whatever's going on within you, will soon show up outside. And so if you don't fix it, be it bad food, bad thoughts, bad whatever, or, or, or less than optimal, shall we say, it's going to show up in your life. That's just the way the world is. Not a, not a doubt. So not and then and then you got the double whammy whammy that you feel not so great. And then you've created a world around you that's not so great. Yeah. And, and someone said to me, you're never not communicating and your body communicates. You see it in your skin and, and, and that kind of stuff. The next area that to talk about from people and travel, uh, particularly with someone like yourself, who's worked in Slovak Republic, Czech Republic, Romania, Poland, UK, Australia, all, all around, yes. is cultural intelligence quotient. And uh, it's a new area we're looking into around diversity, equality, inclusion, which has been around for a while. But how have you helped people uh, adapt to different cultures? So it's, it, this is beyond emotional intelligence. This is like a environmental intelligence. And what, what lessons would you give to people about improving their cultural intelligence, CQ? Look, I think in terms of, uh, in terms of, especially in terms of diversity and inclusion and, and, and just in general, I take a really simplistic view. <clears throat> if firstly, I was brought up by my parents and, and uh, my dad in particular was very big on this and continues to be, you treat everybody exactly equally because they are equal. And my dad, honestly, whether he was talking to the queen or, or anybody else in any other socioeconomic group, it's quite, I've, I've, in fact, I, I've never really seen it with anybody else that I've ever met apart from him. He doesn't see any 
and rightly so. He sees no difference. He chats and he's been with, I don't know if he's been with the Queen, but he's been with, you know, pretty high uh, governor generals and high people. And, and, and but he doesn't talk to him any differently to, to the way he talks to anybody else at any, in any other aspect of his life. And, you know, this, he sees them as people. And that, that was a lesson which uh, I absorbed as you absorb as a child. And I, I believe that this is the only way that I, mean, I can't imagine why you would be any any different. And I know that, that sounds uh, very simplistic because obviously the world is riddled with people who <laughs> disagree by the very nature of that comment. But really, I think firstly, so so that's that's firstly everybody's equal. And also, when you talk to somebody long enough, it doesn't matter who they are, they're human, and they're going to have hopes, dreams passions, loves, stories. And, you know, this is fascinating when you stop seeing what they do or who they are or whatever, or it doesn't matter, you know, they all have the same pain points. Mm -hmm. Hollywood actor is going to, you know, you're not going to really have to talk to them for that long. If you, if they opened up to you, you find what their problems are. And then suddenly, you know, they're no different to anybody else, which of course they're not. And somebody at a, you know, quote unquote, lower socioeconomic status, they're also going to have hopes and dreams which deserve to be honored and and brought out so you know that's how i i see things in terms of cultures abroad i also believe i i i'm very inquisitive very curious and you know i i am fascinated um and love to absorb cultures all everywhere that i go and i you know i find that you know i've spent a huge amount of time continue to spend a huge amount of time in slovakia czech republic central and eastern europe and, uh, and of course, I've traveled extensively around the world. As you can imagine, coming from Australia, we have to travel everywhere. <laughs> People would ever come down to us for a meeting. Uh, but, you know, I think that if, you, if you're interested or, or, or trying to educate yourself in a place where you are, you are doing business or the hotel room where you find yourself, instead of just sitting watching TV or something like that, you know, you can get out and you try and look at things, just go for a walk and absorb the atmosphere. Then you're absorbing the culture, and then you 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 you're honouring that, and you're understanding it to a degree, and then you can you can take that with you everywhere and understand it. Yeah, and I just so agree with that, and I want to honour my brother, Dr. Graham Perks, uh, for role modelling what you've just been talking about. Uh, sadly, back in January, uh, a psychopath attacked him, broke into his house, tried to kill him, and tried to burn his house down with his family in. But that's it was in the news. It's another story, and it, it, it's shocking and I'm still coming to terms with it. He lived, but he only just lived and, and it'll take two years for him to recover. And you just think a man like that who would welcome people from Syria, from Afghanistan, whatever, because he is a surgeon. And so if they were people visiting, he invited them to come and stay just like my mother used to do on the way back from church. They'd be a little lazy with sprouty moles and and she stank of urine mm -hmm. but she'd go where are you having lunch and she'd go i haven't got lunch so you have now get in and, and we'd all move over and she'd sit with us and have lunch so graham took that attitude of people whatever their background he'd make them feel welcome and he'd try and learn something about them yes. and and i think it's it's a really important area diversity diversity e equality and inclusion and it's lovely to hear that Let's move on from the, the, the environment down to a personal thing, emotional and social intelligence, your ability to read yourself, read others, read the environment, um, which, which melds into the CQ bears. But um, 
you've got some great skills in listening, rapport building. Um, you have to read your clients as a, a coach to these other entrepreneurs. How did you learn it most recently? What you know, you're in a lifelong learner, I'm sure. What, where have you been picking things up about those skills? I well, I, I think some to some degree, uh, I guess some things come naturally, and I think if it's in line with your calling and your life is to work with people and communicate with them and help them, you're probably going to be have have some of those skills already. But I do work on refining that, and I believe that you. you you know, you have to, you really have to tune into people and to, you have to tune into the other person. You, you, you can't just bowl along and just be you. That's fine if you're on your own, but if, you, if you're talking to somebody, you're doing business with somebody, you're in a relationship with somebody, you must tune into them. And you not only subconsciously, like, a, you know, people that have been in a relationship for 50 years, no, consciously tune into them. And when you do that, then you really see a whole different side of a person. And then you can really have a greater understanding with it, of them, a greater empathy and a greater uh, ability to, to communicate directly to them at a, at a very, and with them at a very deep level. So mm. yes, I, I've done a whole lot of, of, of studying this area and, and courses and reading and, and uh, um, you know, really trying to enhance my understanding of it. But I think at a simplistic form, that's that's it. Because all too often people will just, just go up, they'll put a natural barrier and just be them. And that's fine if you're just, you know, racing around in the middle of the day and you, you don't, have, don't have the energy to engage, okay. But if you want to have meaningful conversations and meaningful interactions, you must you must tune into the person. Yeah, so so true. And, and as an entrepreneur who travels the world and has bought and sold businesses, been successful, been stung um, with that contract that you talked about as one example. I'm sure there's many others. How have you coped with RQ, resilience quotient, uh, coping with adversity, setbacks, disappointments? I'm a great believer in the Stoic philosophy of Marcus Aurelius Seneca Epictetus and controlling the controllables and let go of the other things. Be aware of them, but, but don't be a non-attachment, non-judgment. What about, what about you? What's your way of handling resilience and coping with adversity? Look, I think when you get into difficulty, obviously, by all means, we should absolutely, or especially in business and in life, to try and plan away from any problems. By that's that's a fact. It's not uh, it's not a badge of honor to get into problems or to be stung or to have issues. But from time to time, we all have them. But try and plan away from them. But the fact of the matter is, we're here. We we pretty familiar enough with with what life's all about by now and we know that uh um you know there's issues and it's 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 mountains and valleys and and that's how it is but the fact is that i i think that it really if you know it really comes down to drawing within yourself when you're in a difficult situation you, you really have to develop you, you must especially in business you must you must develop an internal strength and or, or go inside yourself and you realize that you do have an internal strength now going through a difficult situation may make you turn around and say well you know what i i just i don't like being in business anymore i don't like this it's too much and if that's the case don't do it leave don't you shouldn't do something that you don't want to do but you can't deal with that when you're in the middle of a problem that's for later as is getting angry with the fact that you're in the problem. When you're in the problem, you must 
deal with the problem. The only way to do that is to rise up, to draw within yourself and to focus on getting out of the problem. So many times people focus on what's going to, I should do this next time, or I didn't do this. And that's just keeps you in a circle. So that's why I've tried to do or have done in the past. And you, you know, then you, you, you go inside and, and, and then, you know, you're finding that strength, you're finding answers, you're finding inspiration again, just, just to keep going. It, it can be difficult, but, and you've got to find things that you, that you enjoy to keep you happy along the way. Could be just going yeah. out coffee and going for a walk, but you know, just, just the small things are going to keep you going through those little, through those little bad patches such, such uh, sound wisdom i really agree with that michael and uh again the stoics talk about an inner citadel that we have within us that the walls should never get breached um and victor frankl man's search for meaning you know talked about that they can do things to your body um but your choice and your mind and how you a, a situation is neither good or bad but how you think about it is and you yes. have choice between stimulus and response. And I think we often give that choice away to others. I, I, I had to because they did this to me. No, you chose to. You yeah. chose to. So I, I think that's very important. Now, important people think about it. It's great to read books as well. But then oftentimes when people are in the circumstances, all the knowledge goes out the window and they just react. Or we all do. We're human. But the key is to to read these the, these books and Viktor Frankl's learnings and everything, especially, and and then apply, have it practice ready, it, apply it, apply it. That's apply the key. It, yeah, and, and that that I think is what I like so much about stoical philosophy. It's it's not just about knowing the philosophy; it's about living it and and yeah. actually um, preparing for death because it's the one thing that we can be certain of: we're all going to die. None of us are getting out of here alive. No, no, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's only ending one way. And, you know, in my brother's case at 65, suddenly he almost died. And it was such a shock to us. But he, he lived. My father was killed when he was just 35, fast jet pilot in the, in the Navy. And he died saving two other people. They lived, he died. That was a calling he made as a leader, which is why I do this work with you and others, yeah. because I, I, was an instructor at Sandhurst and I was average and I thought I was something special. And they told me, no, you're average and there's others who are better than you. And I thought I need to learn from someone. So I went back to learn from the people who'd served with my father. And that's why Inspiring Leadership has sprung up. Um, but um, brand, uh, your brand, your reputation, your image, your impact, Michael. Uh, here you are as a coach, you do 360 with your clients and things like that. But as you were growing up, how did you get 360 feedback? Because entrepreneurs often can live in an echo chamber yeah. or be, be alone and go, this is a good idea. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea, boss. And off they go. But they don't get independent advice like from people like you and myself yeah. much. What, what have you done to learn from feedback over the years? Look, I, I, I believe that you have to, you must uh, solicit feedback from people and you have to do it and and uh, you know when you're when you are an entrepreneur or when you're a um, you know when when you're running your own race as opposed to working in a big company you're not obviously you're not offered no one comes along and says it's HR six months you know review time you have to do it all the time and in fact it's you need to do it all the time because things are moving dynamically at all times and so I, I to answer your question I openly um, 
encourage and ask people, friends and, and, and close, close friends, family, part, my partner, you know, encourage people to, to tell me. I, I don't want you to just get cranky or say, you know, Michael's in a bad mood today. What, tell, me what the, tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Um, you know, if you can spare the time, I'd much rather you do that than, than, than think something or, or, or whatever. And also, I actually need the feedback, please, because then if it resonates with me and, and, and it's coming from the right place, which obviously, you know, if it's from your friends or, or, or close family, then of course, you know, you would expect that it would, uh, then, then, then do something, change it, act on it, and then get, evolve out of that paradigm be it a short-term one or a long-term one and, and move on get over it get through brilliant. it brilliant no that's that's really good uh, and then on to legacy from brand um your personal brand reputation to lq leaving uh things better than you found them uh and you're in the business of stewardship we don't own things we don't even own our children no. you know we're just trying to help them on their way as they pass through our lives yeah. um yeah. But what's been your view on legacy and what do you think, what kind of legacy would you like to hope that people will say about you when, when your time has come and you turn to dust like Alexander the Great and his mule driver who are both uh, buried next to each other in the same dust, even though one thought himself very important and uh, ruler of the world. hundred percent. That's such a, an important comment. I think that uh, what I would like is twofold. Firstly, I would I would love if people that that had known me or that that had worked with me or that I'd touched through the course of my life had been positively impacted or felt felt that they were positively impacted or, or in fact were in some way, be it through business or just through 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 life engagement. And so that's the first thing. The second thing, and I hope that the vast majority of people would would put themselves in that category. That'd be a good legacy. And secondly, um, even though it's perhaps too late uh, for, 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 for those of us in that position at that point, I would like to have been fulfilled and to have fulfilled my own purpose on earth. And, and I think if you fulfill your own purpose, you feel fulfilled and other people have been positively impacted by you as a, as a person, as a soul uh, and or in business or any other way, then to me, that would be, the, the, that would be a life that was lived well. That's really good. And you've just made me think with all the experiences you have and you're advising these different government agencies in a variety of countries, you're reading widely, you're meeting different entrepreneurial leaders. You've been there yourself. You've seen industries and sectors um, that have had highs and now are having difficult times. Uh, take a bit of time, if you would now, just two or three minutes, just give me your reading of where the world is right now. Where do you think it's going? Where's business going? Which are going to be the sectors that are going to do well? Who are the ones that are going to have a, a tough time? You know, where where are you advising people to start putting their energy? To, I, I believe that that the world is now. In fact, for for twenty years we've been in a change. If you if you really look back, in my opinion, from when we when we moved out of the nineties, there was a massive energetic shift which showed up initially as the tech wreck. Uh, in the early 2000s, and then obviously with the with them with the onset and the propulsion of technology companies. But not only that, there was a big change in the way people uh, thought about things, and there was a big change, if you will, in the vibe uh, from from what was um, you know generally, if you look at, uh, against the the prism of the last 20 years, generally a more a, a slim, simpler time. 
um, you know, in, in stereotypical terms in the world. So I think that, that things have been shifting. We've obviously seen uh, the rise of terrorism in the last 20 years. Now we've seen a pandemic. Uh, so things, things are changing, whether they're connected or not connected, doesn't matter. Things are, things are changing. And I think that people, um, what I believe is that people need to recognize that things are changing and they need to accept that things are changing. Of course, me and we all hope, for example, that the pandemic will end and life will go completely back to normal. And maybe on the surface it will, and I hope that it does, but something will still have changed. Something will have shifted beneath the surface and we need to be aware of that. And I think that looking forward in life or in business in particular and, and, and in leadership in particular, we have to be, we, you must be future ready and we, we're in a time now, especially with technology being the accelerator um, beneath so many of the changes, we have to realize that, that the life as we know it, I mean, the, the, it's going to completely, it will, it's going to completely change in probably five years, yeah. let alone 20 or 30. So yeah. <clears throat> you have to lean into it. There's no point fighting it. There's no point wishing everything's going to be the same. Some things will stay the same and we'll still have our families and loved ones and, and partners and so on. But, you know, life around us will definitely change. And so I believe that people need to be aware of that, be broadly read about it and not just one particular media organization or whatever. And you need to then take it inside yourself and, and try and think about it. None of us can predict exactly what it will be, but mm. It'd be good, especially from a business or leadership standpoint, to be on the right side of it. Uh, and that starts from being aware of it and open to it and accepting of it. Yeah. And um, whether it was a misquote or whatever, but the CEO of Goldman Sachs uh, is sort of uh, taken out of context, but saying that, you know, this working from home is an aberration. We're going to go back to how we were. How do you think the offices and our ways of working with each other from a technical point of view, because your technology is something that you're very interested in. How do you think we will be working with each other in the next two or three years? Well, I, I believe that things are driven, humans drive things, bosses. I know Goldman's is, is, is a pretty, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty busy organization, but I think the human beings still work there. And they, you know, across all organizations, it's human beings. So all of us have got used to over a year. It only takes, only takes 12 weeks really uh, to get into a new habit. And we've now had a, over a year of this new habit. That's gonna that's taught all of us what's good and what's bad about it. That's for sure. You know, some people have struggled with homeschooling. Some people have had to work from their bedroom. Some people could be working from a twenty-room mansion or house. So it's not been a democratic necessarily working from home. But nevertheless, it's given people the experience of what it's like. Um, whether they're whether they're bored, whether they miss people, whether they are happy that they don't have to get on a commute particularly in the UK, so many people are so happy that they have to even just get on the tube every morning and they can start their day in a more mindful manner, sitting having a coffee instead of, you know, standing next to somebody's shoulder blade on a tube. So I think that, and these little things are what go through all of our minds. So if, if I was a betting person, I would say that things will, will re revert, um, you know, to maybe, I don't know, maybe 60, 70% the same in general, but there's going to be, something that change, something that sticks and over over the next five years though technology may well unstick that and take us back to 
working from home again, but with holograms or with, with VR or with the technology that we don't have now. Yeah. I think it would be a hard-pressed leader. You'd have to be a pretty hardcore leader to turn around in six months or so after everyone's vaccine, vaccinated and say, hey, 100% of people have got to be here at 8 o'clock Monday morning. You've got to stay till 6. And that's how it's, I, I don't think people are going to buy it. And they'll lose if, if they still do it because they have to do it. They're going to not, their heart won't be in it. Yeah, no, well put. So last two areas, uh, a book, and then you can give your introduction to yourself and give us a final top tip. So what would your book recommendation be, Michael? So one of my favorite authors and speakers is Dr. Joe Dispenza, who speaks you know, broadly on, uh, on quantum physics, but also on, on uh, human super performance. What, whatever that, I mean, that, that he brought. What was, his, what was his first name? His name is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's an American uh, author and speaker, and he's got a book called Becoming Supernatural. And this book is all about high performance, but not just high performance, uh, such as, you know, get up at, get up at three o'clock in the morning and meditate, which is part of it, mind you, although I haven't, I haven't modeled that part yet. Uh, six o'clock's enough for me, but, but, you know, it's all about how do you fully, like what we were talking about earlier, how do you fully invoke mind, body, and spirit to become a powerful person, powerful for yourself, not, not power over other people. And, you know, he brings in quantum physics, he brings in all sorts of different universal concepts, although it's not, it's not a, uh, uh, by any means a sort of a esoteric spiritual book it's it's a it's a really meaty meaty book and meaty concepts that you know you read it and it, it really transforms the way that you think about your own performance which of course is at the end of the day what we talked about before the thing you've got to constantly be tweaking brilliant uh thank you for that i will definitely get it and hopefully there's an audio version uh for me to listen to and i'll be listening to that in the next week um, I'm listening to Malcolm X's autobiography at the moment, which was very interesting. Um, uh, I, uh, I find that very powerful. Um, so let's go into your top tip. Do your introduction. Give us your top tip, if you would. I'm Michael Jacobson. I'm a serial entrepreneur and business coach to high performers all around the world. My number one tip for productivity, for achievement and for fulfillment is a concept called zero-based thinking. Now, zero-based thinking was originally generated by Dr. Brian Tracy, who is, of course, a best-selling author and one of the original pioneers of, of self-help, uh, if you will. But what I love about zero-based thinking is it emerges past, present, and future. And it goes something like this. It's very simple, but it's unbelievably powerful. Knowing what I know now, would I still... And then you insert something from the past. So would I still hire Sally as head of marketing? Would I still marry John? Would I still merge my company? Would I still, you know, in my case, would I still um, do a deal with a, with a cheap lawyer? Uh, would I still do whatever it might be? And then you insert it. Now, why it's powerful is this, because you are, you're not recruiting, you're not, you're not attacking yourself for mistakes that you've made. You're not engaging in regret. You're soberly observing a result from the past, but you're also looking to the future and saying, well, what, what result could I possibly want? Because the result that I want in the future is an optimized result. I don't, I don't want anything other than 10 out of 10. And then you're then merging the present by saying, well, what would I do now? Knowing what I know now, not what you knew then, what you know now. And it gives you clarity within one second. You immediately know the answer. And then 
you take the action and that creates a different future. And that all happens within, you, know, you can do it within probably 20 seconds all up. And it's an extremely powerful strategy. It's a life changer in business and in life. It removes emotion, it removes uh, negativity, and it, it gives you a very, very clean, simple answer to your question. So this is to me the top tip that anybody can do and you should do it on a weekly basis across your life and, and, and you root out weeds. You will also, you also, you can do different things. You, you can, it's not only negative. You might say, well, I know what I know now. That was the best decision of my life. Getting engaged to this person or hiring this person. So, you know, if they're still in my life, I better appreciate them a lot more and do a lot more with them. So I can work that way as well. Really yeah. powerful. Brilliant. Michael Jackson, thank you very much, Steve. Stay on, we'll have a bit of a chat. But I really appreciate your wisdom and your experience. And thank you, keep motivating people around the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you gonna do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.